This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition, episode 50, if you can believe it. It's as 40 old as acres and a fool. Well, not really. Well, I mean, it's 50. It's as many 50 as you years. are. It's as many as me, yeah. <laughs> I have that many. They didn't have podcasts 50 years ago. They didn't have squat 50 years ago. They had me, and that's good enough. They had the Beatles. Well, yeah, that's true. And Lyndon Dragnet. Johnson. And who? Lyndon Johnson. Oh, yeah. He was the president when I was born. Yeah. Yeah. Nixon for me. Yeah. For about a week. Uh, <laughs> he resigned the uh, the day I came home from the hospital. Did so, really? That's yeah. so funny. Yep, exactly. So, uh, it is great to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. We are at the kitchen table. Obviously, Miss E is uh, with us tonight, and it's good. We have a kitchen table to sit at, uh, and we have a house that is still fully intact. That is not the case, unfortunately, for uh, some folks in Appomattox County and uh, Waverly, Virginia. We had some... Wicked storms, uh, Oklahoma-sized storms come Oklahoma through the area yesterday. It was an Oklahoma kind of day yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it was rainy on and off and on and off, and then we got the... I came back from the bus stop, and my phone's going off with that ank-ank alarm, mm-hmm. and then we got the tornado warning, which is when I texted you, and it was like, all of a sudden black skies and crazy thing and and then you call me back and you're like oh no it's probably nothing to worry about blah 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 and when three minutes later you call me back and you're like get in the safe room i'm like uh yeah when when your ex storm chasing husband from oklahoma <laughs> tells you get in the bathroom you get in the bathroom well the dogs I, did not want to go in the bathroom no I'm and unfortunately sure. the baby goat stayed in the family room because i'm like yeah there's only so much room in the bathroom <laughs> well i in between talking with you the first time i hung up and i looked at uh uh, the Weather Channel app, and saw the uh, the radar and saw, oh, the very, very worst part of the storm, the actual tornado uh, rotating cloud part is going uh, over our house in the next couple of minutes. And so I, I uh, that's when I called you right back and just said, yeah, never mind, I forget it. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is bad enough. Go to the, go to the, uh, Go to the bathtub. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, ours is like, yeah, bathroom, safe house, safe right. room, whatever. And meanwhile, we had a, a different uh, tornado warning uh, down in, in Farmville. It did not get uh, close to us, but it was the storm that uh, that actually hit uh, Appomattox uh, was the one that ended up missing Farmville. Oh, because uh, okay. it was straight line storms. Yeah, somebody, one of my one of our Oakley friends sent me a picture of someone had managed to take a picture of the tornado that touched down here in Virginia. And it was a pretty wide tornado. Yeah, I was talking to somebody today uh, who drove through the area, and this is, you know, 12, 14 hours after the uh, storm hit. He said it was still a lot of, lot of traffic, a lot of debris in the road. And uh, he said it was probably like a 1,000-yard wide swath that was just, uh, he said it looked like God took a weed whacker uh, yeah, to like everything. The, I have a picture of the front page from when that uh, tornado went through Moore, Oklahoma. I think mm-hmm. you were running around that night, weren't you? Yes, that was 98. Eight? Yeah, I yeah, think it was 98. I was running around that night. 98 or 99. But I, 98. Was, yeah. Um, and it looks like someone just took a big magic eraser and just scrubbed everything down to the red dirt that is Oklahoma. Right. It's a crazy picture. But yeah, yeah, there were. It was, it's hard to keep track of all of the uh, tornadoes in Oklahoma. But, <laughs> well, because there were a couple that I was, uh, I was still a reporter, and so I was actually out reporting, 
And then there were a couple that I was an anchor and I was stuck inside anchoring. One was... Oh, uh, that one, that man. Was that, when was that? Was that 97? Uh, no, that one was... I think that was 99 because it, it was before... Or maybe Kid it was 2000 and... No, or was it... Well, there was one... No... I can't remember now. There was one where you were. <laughs> right? There was one where this you is what were happens working, when you live in Oklahoma and you're so like, many wow, so many tornadoes. Well, there's yeah, tornadoes. There was one where you were stuck in the office and it was coming in our direction. And you told me, and I don't remember if Kid Three was born then or not, but you said come to the office building because we were only like a mile away. And I'm down in in the basement where there was a restaurant slash bar, and the the bigger kids are kind of playing at the fountain. And I think there was no baby, so this was before 2000, so it must okay. have been 99. And I'm looking at the TVs. Now, in Oklahoma, the weather people are awesome about telling you what's going on. Not so much in Virginia. I got the one warning. I checked all the weather channels, and nobody was doing squat about anything. But anyway, in Oklahoma, they have the where it is, when it's coming at you, down to the minute. Yep. And here I'm like, we took shelter in a building that was right across the street from a whether they uh, were predicting right. that the tornado was going to hit at 835. And I thought, well, bleep. <laughs> I, I would have been, we were not that far away. And it was, it was, I think it was an F5 or an F4. And it was really wide, but mm-hmm. it took a really sharp left. And it took out, I think, the entire town of Shamrock, Oklahoma. And some other town hit with a C. But that's but that's no. It, it wasn't Shamrock because Shamrock's to the northeast of of Oklahoma City. That was, that was a another tornado. That it, was another was, different tornado. This was the one that ended up hitting Bridge Creek, and then I think it hit Piedmont. It ended up veering left and going like almost straight north around uh, Lake Hefner. So uh, I realize if you're listening to this, you're like, I don't. Yeah, know but anyway, these places. But, so, but, was, but the thing is, is that we've yeah. we've been through. So so when I moved to Oklahoma in '97, that was like the sweet year because there was like. It was hardly hot that summer. <laughs> right. There were no hurt. There were no tornado. There was like hardly any. And and you told me, well, they never come to the city. Well, bleep. The next year, <laughs> all hell broke loose, and they guess kept coming closer and closer until like the year before we moved. I wrote the disaster plan for my office, mm-hmm. and I actually had to enact the tornado part because there was a t- tornado warning at on Penn, which was in town, and I'm like. He, he lied to me. They have been coming closer and closer. The longer I've lived here, we need to leave. Yeah, they, we had two hit more while we were there. <laughs> and then we came, they chased us in here. Right. Well, they, they yeah, actually the first summer that uh, I moved to Virginia, I remember driving home uh, from NRA News one afternoon, and I'm hearing the local weather people talk about a tornado warning, and then they, you know, on the, uh, on the, uh, car radio and then they go to a commercial break right i'm like like, wait what are you talking about you can't go to a commercial break there's a tornado warning you need to be staying with this like it was it weather is covered so differently out here than it is in oklahoma oklahoma is the place to oklahoma is the number you know well i say oklahoma oklahoma city i think is probably one of the top markets if that's what you are Wanting to do if you want to be, be a meteorologist, yeah. uh, or Go if there. you want to be a storm chaser, because it's big. They have a big center out Norman, don't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, NOAA does um, the National Storm Center. Uh, I think is what it's called. So yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was, and it, it sucked here being stuck in the studio. Like I'm used to covering tornadoes in a studio. That's okay, but I'm not used to being stuck in a studio under a tornado warning. And not really being able to talk about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was kind of weird. Yeah, that would be weird. Because usually you're like, that's what you talk about if you're in the studio and there is right. tornadic activity going on. You're so, like, I'm going to talk about that. So an NRA News camera company, I just say, uh, so we're, we're under a tornado warning. So if you see me leave or hear me leave quickly, <laughs> uh, that's what's going on. And and then I had I went back to the interviews that we were doing because, you know. Because that's what they do here. Nobody but else cares. Nobody right? cares. I know. I had to be like just like they were on the local radio station. I was. I'm. Okay. So you're saying get in the bathroom. So the kids and the dogs are in the bathroom. And I'm walking completely around every window looking outside trying to see if I can track any circular motion. Yeah. Any, any rotation in the sky. And I'm not seeing anything. But then I'm like all of a sudden it's like. It got dark, and then it was like blam stamp with the pouring rain, and then it was a and it was like pee to quarter size hail, but only for like five minutes, and then I was like, 
boop. So I turned the switch and it went off and it stopped raining. And then all of a sudden the sun started to come out <laughs> and it was crazy weather. We had a beautiful sunset last night. Yeah. And then the winds were so loud overnight that I kept thinking it was thundering. It was so loud. Yeah, Kyle, who is our technical director down in the uh, Farmville uh, uh, studio, he had a tree come down. Ooh, I'm glad uh, no trees came down. Didn't hit his house. Well, I am too, because we've got so much rain that the ground is just waterlogged and soaked. And so then you add that to, you know, you had 40 mile an hour winds. And I'm really surprised we didn't have any trees come down. Especially considering all the dead-ish locusts we have in our front yard. Right. Oh, but uh, kid number five and I walked down to the creek. Yeah. Right after it stopped raining and the sun started to come out. And our creek is usually when you step off the 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 beach area that we have, there's a little cleaned a little up gravelly bit, a little bit, gravelly yeah. bit. You maybe in in that immediate space are gonna come six to eight inches up. The creek is not a deep creek. Right. It's a it's a good, steady, constant creek, mm-hmm. but it's not a very deep creek. It was probably three to four feet deep yesterday it was out of its banks so far that it was at least 12 feet up on our on this side because the other side it's kind of higher up right but it was as high as that tree that's kind of hanging up off of it that's two or three feet up on the ground Mm -hmm. and it was just i mean it was so loud i was feeding the animals and i was like what is that sound? And I'm looking around and I see there is literally is a stream in the middle of our front pasture that never existed before. Yeah. And it was meeting the stream coming out of the woods that never exists except for when it's really raining. Mm-hmm. And I could hear it all down there. And it was just so loud. That's why we had, and unfortunately my, my phone was dead at the time. So I had no way to take any photographs of oh, it. Oh, okay. Uh, and there's no really way, good way to capture it. But it, it, there's there's this little island that you can get to. It was nothing but water and a couple of trees. It, there was just so it was so high, yeah, and very very fast. Uh, even uh, this morning in Farmville, the uh, Appomattox River was way over its banks, and uh, I'm, I'm not surprised. It has been the wettest winter. Yeah, between the snow that we've gotten and just the relentless rain and wetness. But the good news is, so we're supposed to have a week of dry weather before it uh, starts Snows. to rain again. So I thought we were getting snow next. No, nah, I think it's supposed to. I saw it's it's rain. I think we'll probably get one more snowfall though before spring hits. It usually happens. We get something in March, but uh, right now we've got at least a week to uh, to dry out, and that is a good thing. Who knows? I remember in um, New Jersey when I was growing up. I think it was nineteen eighty three or eighty four. We got a blizzard in like April 11th. It was 83. April 11th. Yeah. I was just like, it's April. Because that was, <laughs> was, was in the couple year span that I was actually living in New Jersey. And so I remember that because that was the first real snowfall. Because we didn't get snow as a kid in Oklahoma. No, so I guess that was not. the first real snowfall. And I was, it was eight, almost nine. Uh, and school was closed for like a week. And yeah, we got like two and a half feet of snow. And it was yeah, that's awesome. right. I was like a junior in high school. So yeah. I, that was, I think, I think probably that was my first concussion too. Because, um, so this is a story that can't, we'll, we'll tell the story real quick before we take a, uh, a time out here. This is one of those stories that can't happen today it, or it would never happen today. Mm. Uh, in the town that we lived in, there was a hill. And on top of the hill was a great big house owned by some very rich people, I'm sure. Uh, and they always opened up their property for kids to go sledding. Oh, never do it now. Homeowner's right? insurance. Yeah, never going to happen now. Uh, and so as it happened, I had one of those old school wooden... Toboggans. Right, with the iron uh, runners. Oh, yeah. And Probably going sealed, down... Whatever. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was hard metal and metal, it hit yes. my skull. Oh, ow. Um, and just clocked me. And, uh, I remember I was there with my older brother and a couple of his, uh, no good miscreant friends. I was just saying, did they do anything? And, uh, they asked, you know, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I think I need to go home. And they wanted to keep sledding. So like, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Uh, and it wasn't until I was like, I'm so tired, I just want to go take a nap, that my brother was like, oh, that's a sign of a concussion. No, you need to stay awake, you need to stay awake. And then he very reluctantly hauled me back home. Um, well, good for him to recognize that. Right? I would really not think he would have been like, oh, you have a concussion. Okay, just don't fall asleep. I'm going to go sled some more. <laughs> right. That probably would have been me at 14. But 
That was my first concussion. Yeah, it was at was at Blizzard, and I remember. Uh, then we did something else that, that was probably really stupid, um, because the yards actually had hills on them. Okay. Uh, as opposed to New Jersey or as opposed to Oklahoma, where the yards are just flat. flat right. Right. Um, so we built basically a little sled run through my friend Peter's yard and his neighbor's yard, and we uh, froze it with water. water. Right, but nice it emptied out onto the street. How how brilliant was that? Yeah, was there no parents? Well, where else was it going to go? I don't know. Into another yard. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny though. We had a uh, in our town where I grew up in Willingboro, and uh, at one point in my childhood, they built a park, and they made it so that they, they it was a big wooded area. So they left the woods kind of at the back end. They sort of plowed this big giant field area, and then they built a sledding hill and they cut out a pond to go ice skating oh in. that's cool so it was, it was uh it's mill creek park it's still there they've they've they used to have the 70s wooden structures now they've <laughs> updated to the newer ones i took my daughter over there when we were she was younger and every time i go back to visit with my mom i just i take a drive through just to look right. at it because yeah but yeah that they built that when i was a kid see that's cool yeah oh that was willingboro in the 70s and the 80s was the best place to grow up huh Sounds like an East Coast. It reminds me of like an East Coast Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Kind of. The way you describe it. <laughs> it is, kind of. I mean, you got your all kinds of people, and you got your all colors of people, and we had the Fort Dix and the other uh, McGuire Air Force Base. We had all kinds of people, but yeah, it was like that. All right, we're going to take a, a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have a more news from the 40 Acres, so stick around. We'll be right back here with 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards alongside the lovely and talented Miss E, who during segment one was uh, knitting a crocheting, excuse me, uh, it's a, a mermaid tale. I know it is. Nanny craft, yeah. So I know, actually, it's this, like checkers versus chess. I understand. This week was all like wrap up the unfinished objects that were on my desk. So yeah. I knitted two cowls for two different friends. I finally finished the baby blanket that I've been posting pictures of. So that is blocked and done and ready to go. And uh, I have a new. Com- I had another commission. I had a friend send me a picture. Uh, a friend from our old neighborhood sent me a picture of this little blanket and it looks like a mermaid tail and you kind of like it's like a sleeping bag-ish sort right. of blanket you kind of pull it up and you wear it around your waist and it's really it was kind of cute and i said yeah i could you could do that it's crochet like i'm like it's easy uh and she's like oh how much when can you have blah 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 so she wants me to make it for her it's like a it's a very close friend of hers she considers it her niece she's like 10 years old or so so she loves mermaids okay and then she picked the the colors are like a bluish purple and a greenish color um but the pattern that she sent me i was like eh meh it's like a crocheted tube with a tail on it there wasn't much to it mm-hmm. so i went looking around and the pattern that i found uh if you look up yarn utopia y a r n u T-O-P-I-A. She, it's free patterns. Okay. So she has the shark blanket, but she has this mermaid tail afghan. And it's done in a shell stitch. So it really looks like you're dealing with scales. And I think this is going to look a lot like this. The color scheme to me reminds me of the rainbow fish. And I'm every parent who's like, oh, yeah, that book. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember the rainbow fish. Right? Yeah. And it is a cool pattern. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty. You're the only person I, well, 
Yeah, yeah, I guess you are the only person I know, though, who would uh, say, sure, I will make something for you. Yeah, I'm going to make it a little bit more complicated than what you asked for. but uh, It's prettier this way. Right. And I think it's more... Well, okay, so the thing is, though, uh, I'm really proud of the things that I make. And if I don't do the best job... Hang on one second. And we're back after a, a very quick edit here. <laughs> the children are fine, by the way. Just I know it sounded like they were being eaten by a real shark in the background, but... Uh, they're okay. No, they're it's, it's, this is the this is the like last few minutes before we have to go upstairs and be quiet and read. And so yeah. let's be as loud as we possibly flipping can be for the last fifteen minutes, right? Yeah. So let's uh, they can yell and then the baby goes. So the baby goes, bleep bleep, and they're like, ah! so, yeah, all in the background. There you go. This is real life at forty acres and a fool. Right. So now you're back to uh, to crocheting. While we're talking. I'm going to put this down. Sorry. <laughs> I just don't sit still without something in my hands very well. It's, 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 it's not happening. All right. I understand. So we do have, uh, well, we're going to be keeping busy this weekend because it is supposed to be dry and it's supposed to be sunny. And we need to actually finish building the greenhouse that we started building last summer. It was the door. Was the way, I know. It and, was, and, and, and we and didn't the have screws, the parts. Well, this, the, the, we started to put the door together and the screws kept breaking. The caps kept snapping off the stems. Mm-hmm. And so... I called for replacement parts, and they sent me the wrong parts. And when I finally went ahead and bought my own screws, I went to put it together, and I realized I was missing an entire straight up-and-down piece to build the whole second door. So then it took, like, two weeks for them to get me that part. So I finally have all the parts, and it's just been... It's, it's been, been freezing. Freezing cold. You can't do any <laughs> right. work outside. But we also have to get outside this weekend because of all the crazy wind. One of the panels actually popped off my greenhouse. Mm. Now it's you know polycarbonate panels kept on with a silicone caulk adhesive, so you know that was going to happen in- inevitably. Right. But I do have uh, a better, higher brand that I bought as a second thing because they sent me some caulk with the greenhouse, uh-huh. but I went ahead and bought extra uh, from Lowe's, and it's better. So I think then the next iteration of that sticking on will stay. Yeah, we also have to uh, have to move our hogs. Yeah, they have eaten every green thing. Uh, possible in their 500 feet around i know we don't have but we have to move them but we also have to go ahead and process a few because yeah. right now they're just money in and nothing out and they're just going to get fatter and we need sausage and we need sausage we're like out of every sausage i, I think maybe no i don't i don't even think we have anything like we've eaten all wow. the breakfast I think I maybe used up the last bit of Italian. There might be a brat left. I don't even think I have any kielbasa left, and that's a, that's that's. Oh my a, gosh! I know. So, so we probably could process too then. Oh yeah, uh, they're not they're the, they're American guinea hogs. They're not very big girls. There's going to be a lot of lard. So yeah, you're probably only going to get eighty ninety pounds. Uh, if that. I'm trying to think. Bannister was the biggest one on the hoof, but he was way taller and probably one and a half times the size of these girls, and he was like uh, two something. Dickie was two twenty. I think they're probably about one eighty to two hundred pounds because they're short, but they're solid round. Right, but by the time you get take out the big thick the lard bones and all and the, the lard, bones, yeah, I might have a hundred pounds of meat. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe. right? Yeah. So we could probably do two. Yeah, and then we'd have, you know, four type, 50 pounds of four types of sausages, and how happy would we be then? We would be extremely happy. I like sausage. So we have to do that. We have to move the goats as well, because we are going to use that garden space not for tomatoes, but... Uh, for other stuff. For other stuff, we so we've to... got to move them and clean yeah, up. Yeah, but we can move them back to where they used to be, because it's all green again, because they've been away from it for long yeah, it's not. It's not as green as it was, though. So, But I think what we can do is there's actually a, a spot kind of near where they were but on the other uh, side of that barn yeah on yeah. the other side of the pasture so and that'd be a good open space for them yeah so. that would be and it's still close enough i guess that it wouldn't be too big of a pain to haul water there that's the other thing that i'm thinking of no nah, it should be fine so yeah we have to these are too. all the considerations as we're trying to like move everything around and yes. and we're going to get to this later uh in the program in the uh, emails but uh i did have an email from robin who was uh, asking and inquiring about uh baby goats so, um, did we talk about that the last time we had a podcast? We I can't did. Remember. Yeah, because they were a week old. Yeah, we did. Did we? Yeah. Because they're only going to be two weeks old this Sunday. Right. So they were they were not quite a week old. They were just a few days old, but uh, they were in the house. We held them up to the microphone. Yes. And, okay. Yeah, I know. It's like 
it's like having a new baby in the house again because you got midnight feedings and everything. And I think we're around. We're we're done with that now, though, yeah. because uh, today they've been going eight hours and getting eight ounces at a time. And at their size, their type of goat, twenty four ounces is probably about as much feed as they need uh-huh. right now. And so uh, I did a, a seven thirty and a three thirty, and I'm going to do an eleven thirty, and then I'm not going to do anything until tomorrow morning. Okay. And so, yes. And I've also been introducing them to a little bit of alfalfa. Mm-hmm. And then when we take them outside, when they don't get blown away by the wind. <laughs> right. Um, they've been nibbling. They're nibbling. They're yeah. nibbling. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Robin, um, right now we have a buckling and a doling. Uh, Robin was asking about uh, two does. So, we've we got... Two uh, more that are due. Yeah. Uh, however, we're, we're, it depends on what you want. So, we've we had... Uh, the two that we have now are 80-something percent Nigerian dwarf. They're seven-eighths Nigerian dwarf and one-eighth Sanin, which is a very good dairy goat. So mm-hmm. the combination of the two is awesome, and they'll still be very small because these guys are, like, little bitty. Um, and then we have one other goat that's going to be the same percentage, but then the other, the third one we have, she's actually half Sanin and half Nigerian, so her kids are more like... Uh, Five-eighths and three-eighths. Five-eighths yeah. Nigerian. So a, they should be a little bit bigger. A little bit larger, but more milk. Yeah. Because she gives on her best high peak. Because uh, goats and cows, probably, there's a bell curve. So there's it goes kind of, it's it's sort of goes low, and then their milk production really hits, and it stays up for a little while, and then it sort of tapers down, and it comes down. So it's like a bell curve. Um, when... Uh, our Sanin Nigerian was at her peak. She was given a little more than a gallon a day, just her. Right. And then mixed up with now. See, the nice thing about having a, a Nigerian Sanin is that she's got the quality or the quantity. But then there's quality because a Nigerian dwarf, there's a lot more butter fat. There's a lot more fat to the milk, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic for soap and cheese. We get uh, chevra. I make mozzarella. I make ricotta and I make uh, yogurt out of it. I've also made butter because you can get there's that much fat that you can get out of the goat's milk. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with a lot of goats, but with the Nigerian dwarfs, you get a different fat layer. So, so yeah. So um, anyway, those are doing. They're next month. Yeah, next so, couple of weeks. Some time in March. So we'll uh, we'll let you know, Robin, uh, if you are still interested, and if we have the uh, the does. Hopefully, they don't. Uh, we don't throw like all bucks. That this has be... been the year of the buckling. I have to say that a lot of the goat people that I follow. Yeah, there's a larger the percentage people. of boat of bucklings. Really? Yeah. So wow. my fingers crossed that we don't have uh, the the buckling that we used to, for breeding. His father through a lot more does so i'm hoping that fingers crossed he has that same propensity <laughs> we will uh we will have to wait and see oh yeah uh no chickens were blown away uh, and we have not lost any more since the possum incident uh no. but we do have a couple more that are coming yes we have uh i have a very good friend and uh she will uh take uh fertilized eggs and she hatches them out and she incubates them and hatches them and raises them to a certain age and then she sells them really inexpensively and to me she just gives them to me because I give her fertilized eggs but she's our our rooster is an americana and the one daughter that we have that's his she's half americana and half buff orpington and she has like greenish bluish eggs mm-hmm. uh so she's got a couple of americana chickens that she's going to bring to me so we'll add a couple more to our flock to take the place of the girls that we lost. Yeah. So right now we've got seven hens and seven. one rooster. We're getting how many eggs a day, you say? Uh, three to five. Depends on who wants to play nice. Yeah. When it's not very sunny and the weather's kind of bleh, they don't do as well. In the winter, there's not as many. There's not a, it's, it's a light thing. Mm-hmm. The shorter the amount of sunlight, the less eggs you get. Um, but at the peak when it was sunny and nice last year, everybody was laying almost every day. So I had so many eggs. I'm like, uh, what are we going to do? <laughs> we had a lot of breakfast for dinner. <laughs> yes. Yes. Omelets. A lot of big omelets. A lot of omelets. Uh, deviled eggs. I've discovered the, right. the, the ones with the, uh, jalapeno and bacon. bacon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Bacon, jalapeno, deviled eggs. Those are yeah. <laughs> pretty good. They sound and pretty good. self-explanatory too. It's right. just, you know, some chopped up cooked bacon and a couple of minced jalapenos to taste. 
tiny tiny mints mixed in with the with the yolk and some mayonnaise and salt and pepper and then splucked into the egg yolks and or the white part and then a little bit of smoked i always use smoked paprika versus sweet because you get a little bit more depth of flavor yeah uh but yeah it's yum and we and then mayonnaise because i i use our eggs to make homemade mayonnaise Oh yeah, that's right. It's not. It's and it's not. It's not white. It's. it's it looks like mustard. It really it's almost, does. It's almost as yellow as French's golden mustard because free range chicken eggs are really bright marigold colored yolks. Mm-hmm. So when you make mayonnaise out of it, right. you're like, what? It's golden mayonnaise. It's golden mayonnaise. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick time out. I'm hungry. I'm gonna grab a snack <laughs> and uh, send the kids upstairs to bed. But we do have more forty acres in a fool. So, uh, I don't know, grab yourself a glass of wine. Unless you're driving or something, don't do that. Yeah, no. Uh, and we'll be right back here on the Blaze Radio Network. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. And I love Ted Cruz, and I admire him, and I'm for him. If tomorrow I thought he believed in something unconstitutional, I would leave Ted. I support the timeless, moral, democratic, quintessential American pillar of the Constitution of the United States. So that means I'm for Ted Cruz. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Miss E, kitchen table, bullet at our feet, kids upstairs, Patrick Henry report, 80% completed, was uh, helping the youngest son with his uh, report today on uh, Patrick Henry yeah, they do a parade of historical figures, and he and uh, since he had to write a sort of a research paper for his science fair project, uh, they don't have to write a paper about the historical figure. They just have to put together some sort of presentation. So we've got the graphic organizer that you guys filled out with the facts and mm-hmm. information filling in the the things that the school wanted, and then so first thing tomorrow morning. We got to load up the PowerPoint template and fill in the blanks and put and find some graphics and a couple more sources. So yeah. So I think our uh, I think our son was kind of stunned to learn that Patrick Henry had eighteen kids. It's a lot of kids. That is a lot of kids. Two wives. That's still not a lot at the of same kids. time. Well, it's still a lot of kids for two different women. Uh, Eleven kids from the second wife, and seven kids from wife number one, who I think eventually. She she ended up suffering from mental illness. She was, uh, the one who was locked in the basement. Don't she was be the nice one who was about locked, it. She was locked in the basement. But yeah. but that was the nice thing to do back then. No no no, I know. That's what I was trying to explain to my son. Like there you were know, no hospitals. It sounds there horrible, no, right? Patrick no Henry kept his wife locked in the basement, right? But there were right there were no clinics. There was no was, nice place to go. And she, she was crazy. Been, she would have thrown herself out of a window. Yeah. So yeah. So basement's kept probably her in the basement for padded cell, seven or eight years. Ah, that's a shame, though. Yeah, I think she died in 1776. Mm. Uh, well, he got his liberty, didn't he? He was sad. I would have been. I mean, I mean he loved he, her he, enough he, to keep her in the house. Absolutely, he was devoted to her. Um, Until he got married again. Well, after somebody she died. Had, somebody had to take care of those damn children. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Didn't the original owner or builder of this house have, he had, he had married, he was married when he moved here and then his wife passed away, and he had like six or eight children. And then he married like the housekeeper or the childcare person. And then they had another eight or six kids. And that was in the seventeen late seventeen hundreds too. Yeah. So and he didn't get started till he was like sixty something, right? Right. And then <laughs> then the second set of kids, the third set. Of, I mean, he had kids. He was like Tony. What? No, not Tony. Not Tony. Ben. Not that. But you're. It's. It's. You were both thinking the same guy having a kid at 80 like he was having kids at 80s right. in the 1700s so this is not a new thing but having that many kids back then i guess you had to hedge your bets like how many kids actually made it to adulthood yeah i uh, right exactly patrick henry had 18 kids i don't know how many i think 11 lived to adulthood yeah but still i can't imagine like how much wear and tear like no wonder his first wife went nuts oh uh, oh absolutely and you know and the thing is like so i read a lot of history books, obviously. And sometimes um, 
you see historians like express this point of view that, well, because child mortality was so common uh, back then, people got over it. You know, people people just didn't really view their kids bull crap. That is such crap. You go and you read like Paul Revere's letters uh, where he talks about his kids who died. Uh, they always remembered their kids. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, you know, my dad, uh, his first child died at like two and a half months. Probably SIDS, right? And uh, yeah, I think so. And he told me, you know, he's going to be 90 this year. He says every day he still thinks about her. Mm. And, you know, you never you never forget something like that. It never becomes easier. It's just that, you know, I think there are a lot of reasons. I, I think there was probably a faith that was much more common um, that, you know, your child was in a a better place. Yeah. Um, and so you, and you also had the community. It was a shared grief because it was happening. People could, people could write, like people could empathize. Um, you know, a lot of people had been there and so you could talk about it. I think if you needed to talk about it with people. Um, but I don't think it was ever easy. I don't think it was ever like life was so cheap that, uh, uh, or I don't think it was like that in the 1700s, the way that life was so cheap that parents didn't care when their kids died or they got over it real quick. I no. just don't think that happened. No, I don't think so. So, I don't know. It was an interesting uh, uh, report to work on with our son. Yeah, he picked... I'm he glad had, to see we're actually still teaching history. He picked Patrick Henry. That was the one he was like, hey, I want to do Patrick Henry. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I think okay. We, we, we've we taken uh, the kids to Patrick Henry's house. Cause Just it's him. not too far. Yeah, because it's not too far from yeah. Farmville. It's about 45 minutes. If you're ever in the Farmville area, by the way, uh, it's totally worth it. It's uh, near a little town called Brook Neal, which is nothing uh, anymore. And it's sad because you can see the old uh, manufacturing mills. I think there was a... Uh, clothing mill that was there that shut down probably 15 years ago Mm. employed several hundred people and then it didn't uh there's a restaurant that opened up looks fairly new when we were there a couple years ago and it was kind of you know trying to be like the diners drive-ins and dives burger place oh yeah that's the little that was the town with the little cute downtown area mm-hmm. that's right i can that, remember that, where that where, where almost, what trip that was yeah and like a lot of small towns in virginia now i mean it's it's trying to get by on tourism and yeah. antique stores Cutesy. and yeah. right stuff like that so but it is you know it, it's it's still a small town that is um that's existing and trying to make it so and patrick henry's house is a pretty house and it's really pretty lands oh it's yeah it's really I have neat. to say however because i don't think we could go in that one right you could, we yeah. That day. You could go in parts of it. You couldn't go in all of it. Okay. But uh, but I, I, and, and oh, the deal was most of it's been reconstructed because it burned to the ground in like right. 1918. So yeah, so it's not real anyway. His law office is the original law office. And, yeah, and the other thing was it's like so it was the part of the house, and then like a daughter or somebody like built on this crazy big addition, and then most of it burnt down, and then mm-hmm. they tried to recreate it, and then they have like the outlines of where the original house was. And then they realized the that they with the recreation wasn't really a the real recreation. Right. They're like, oh crap! So they're actually getting ready to try to re-recreate. Right. It. Um, but it's interesting because it stayed in the family. Like, you know, you look at what happened to Monticello. Right, oh, where they well, had to sell it. Yeah, and well, because Thomas Jefferson managed to get himself in so far in debt that they had no choice. Right, well, and by the time, you know, George Washington managed to pass on Mount Vernon to his kids, but I think by the time it got to his grandson, grandson couldn't afford it, so the grandson had to sell it. Uh, that I mean, Most of the founding fathers couldn't hang on to their fortunes, but Patrick Henry did. Yeah. And that house stayed in the family uh, until the family decided to donate it and make it a national, not a national memorial, but to make it the, the memorial for right. them. And it, it wasn't just like the house. I think they've got 800 acres there. Yeah, it's a big thing. There's like a big, you can do a big walk around. There's a big nature path. You can go down to, uh, they have a really, it's a really pretty grave mm-hmm. uh, cemetery with his stone and the others of the family. You can see the garden areas. They've got some of the other buildings like the carriage house and something else that were original to the property. So yeah, they I do fireworks that, on the Fourth of July. I, I would like to go there for the Fourth of July. I, was, I think I, that'd be fun. But after seeing Monticello and that place and Mount Vernon, I have to think that of all of them, I think Mount Vernon is my favorite. Yeah, like the house seems more of a home, 
whereas Thomas Jefferson looked like he was showing off in some of his rooms and right. not even well. Like that dining room <laughs> with 50, 60 people at one time, uh, that couldn't fit our dining room table. Like, I don't know how they could fit that many people in people there. People were shorter and skinnier Smaller, back then, yeah, but, right? Uh, no, not that, be- not that bust of John Adams, man. He was a fathead. Yeah, it was kind of a but, rotund. But, but, uh, but the gardens, too. Like, Mount Vernon's gardens are amazing. Now, we were in the winter, but what I saw is, like, what the plot was is nothing in comparison to what Mount Vernon has with the esplanaded trees and the all the, yeah, it's... So if you have to go anywhere, go to Mount Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> It is kind of interesting. I, I like. Uh, we, we need to go to Montpelier. Uh, yeah, James yeah, we still have to place. do that. And one. then Oak Lawn, which is James Monroe's house, uh, is very close to Monticello, and so we. Oh yeah, they had signs for that. I also want to go to Barbersville. The Barbersville ruins. Yeah. Yeah, that's a winery. Uh, it here used to be a plantation. Yeah, and so they've got the the quote unquote ruins that are there, and then they've it's it's on the grounds of the winery. But I like looking at. I, I like going and kind of exploring the different. Homes because you know it's interesting because like compared to Monticello and Mount Vernon, Patrick Henry's house is downright tiny. It is. It was puny. Right. And but I have to say Thomas Jefferson's house seemed really showy offy, but he had in some instances. Okay, so the 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 dovetail joinery and the construction of some of the cabinetry was amazing, and the fact that. There were so many windows and on a hill that was like natural ventilation, air conditioning, heating and cooling. But some of the windows were trifold. So you could pull them all the way up to the ceiling and all of a sudden you have doors. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. And then they ha- he had designed it so that there were uh, – is it telescoping? I can't remember what the word would be. But the shutters were stuck – into the walls and you could pull them out and they would unfold like an accordion and they would close the walls but all by themselves they just look like this sleek panel system right but then the really cool thing was it was kind of impractical because they couldn't have the whole thing but that clock in his house that showed the days of the week but it was this cannonballs that went down to the floor below so they couldn't show it because it would have been a bit of hole in the floor but yeah, but now you can go on the tour and you can actually go underneath the house and you can see it. Oh, so you can see that in the behind-the-scenes yeah, tour. No, 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 in the open passageway underneath Monticello. I didn't notice center. it underneath. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay, I didn't. I guess I didn't. Because didn't we went down there first, first, and so you weren't looking for it. That's true. Okay. But it, it is there. You can see it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, it, if you've never been to Monticello, it's, a, it's an interesting place. It's a really interesting tour. Um Jefferson, I have very ambivalent feelings about. He was kind of a pompous. He was kind of a pompous self-centered. I mean, he was. He was. He just was like, "Well, I am all that in a bag of chips. You need to like just love me." And he just, he just kind of can't because there's a lot of things about him that like, okay, you were really great, but then you managed to just get yourself in just a, a huge amount of debt. That you kind of screwed the pooch for your kids, and then that whole like the whole Hemming story. You're like, whoa, okay, let's walk away from that one, right? <laughs> one of our friends still thinks that our cemetery has Sally Hemmings in it somewhere. Well, it should, I don't know why, just because it it's doesn't. Virginia. I know it doesn't, <laughs> but she just thinks that oh, it must be there because we can't find her. I'm like, you're just silly. Yeah, we do have a, uh, a cemetery on the property. Which, as I was driving uh, home last night after the storms had passed through and the mist was just starting to rise it did look rather creepy because uh, the mist was rising up out of the uh, cemetery but yeah sally Hemings doesn't live there no she doesn't live there we don't we have a list of people and some footstones but that's she's not on the list so now that we've been to monticello uh maybe i could get you to go to poplar forest which was thomas jefferson's other house other house which is out near we tried to go Out there, near right? Roanoke, I think. Yeah, we tried to go there, and it was something ridiculous. It was like seventeen dollars a person to get in, and we were like, "No," because there wasn't anything there. There was, there's not much to it. Not much, right? I think would probably. I'd like to go now. All right. And just compare it to Monticello. Having been to Monticello now, I'd like to go to. What's the timeline of that versus Monticello, though? Was that? Because Monticello was the place that took forever to build, and he was a kind of... The thing... Oh, and the water. Oh. Well, so Poplar Forest was contemporaneous 
to Monticello because when he was there as governor and the British um, came up and raided Charlottesville and were going up the mountain and he had to flee down the back of the mountain, basically, um, that's where he went. He went to Poplar Forest. Oh, okay. So he at least owned the... backup house? Yeah, it was... I mean, Charlottesville was a tiny little village in the middle of nowhere, but Poplar Forest was really in the middle of nowhere. It was like, you know. um, And so that was his, you know, wilderness getaway, basically. Uh, So I don't know what it looked like at the time that he left, but it looks a lot like a smaller Monticello now. Mm. Uh, So it'd be kind of interesting to compare the two. Another octagonal house? Yeah, he was big on it. He found his shape and he he kind of stuck with it. Kind of, like courthouses, (laughs) houses, like the the, the college. I'm like, dude, really? Can you... But uh, you can tell it's his. It's kind of like looking at a Frank Lloyd Wright house. Right. I mean, although Frank Lloyd Wright wasn't stuck on one damn shape. No. He was linear. Yeah. Straight clean lines. Can you imagine if Thomas Jefferson had built a Frank Lloyd Wright house? How weird that would look <laughs> on our nickels. <laughs> the octagonal house hanging over water. I don't know. It's all bad enough. It's like on the top of a mountain and everybody had to haul everything up there. They had, were unsuccessful at all the waters. They couldn't keep water in the cistern. So the water had to be hauled up manually yeah. to the top of the mountain from the river. Mm-hmm. This is a man who cares nothing about anybody else but himself and his immediate family. He's like, whatever it takes, I'm living here. Get it done. Check out the view. Oh, right? it's, a, it's a, yeah. Look at my pretty view. I can see everything. And, and didn't the one docent say Including that he... the people bringing me water. <laughs> way the, down there. Way down by there. The river. Didn't the one docent say he had a, he set up a telescope so he could check on the progress of... The, the University, University of Virginia. Virginia. It was being yeah. built. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they cut out uh, they cut out areas in the trees so that he could peer down on the village of Charlottesville as it was uh, under construction. All right, we're going to take a, a quick timeout. When we uh, come back, we're going to get to some of your thoughts here on Forty Acres and a Fool. So stick around. We'll be right back with more after this. You're listening to Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Sexton. The way the Democrats set up the system, and it's it is Byzantine, and the elect the uh, with all the different the, the delegates and states. But Democrats tend to have a more uh, the way they've set it up across the board. And we're speaking generalities here, but they tend to favor it. if there is an establishment candidate on the Democrat side. It, there there's a sort of a clear way that that's you know the electable person is meant to get through that process. Buck Sexton weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, a big yawn from Missy right as we uh, come back from a break here. It's a good thing it's the last segment. Well, it's those, it's the baby goat stuff. Like, I know. I've been waking up Midnight at 1.30 feeds. in the morning and then getting up at 7, 6 to feed him again. But we're stretching it out. We're going to feed him at 11.30 and they're going to wait till tomorrow morning. Yes. Um, so we've got some uh, emails to get to. First of all, uh, Arturo uh, it says, Cam, as I hope you remember, I've listened to your podcast from the very beginning, and I've also been watching NRA News for a long time before then. Yes, Arturo, of course I remember. I remember that name. Uh, Arturo says, I enjoy 40 Acres and a Fool. However, I've noticed that when Miss E is not around, your topics seem to revert uh, a lot to what you discuss on NRA News, not really related to what's happening on your homestead. I don't know if that's just because of a lack of content. I realize that you still have a podcast to produce, even if things are slow going on your 40 Acres. Uh, so here's the deal, Arturo. Most of the time when Miss E is not around, it's because... I'm he's not, not actually here. around. Right. He's you're on the road or somewhere else. And so it's it's hard to talk about what's going on when I'm not around yep. to talk about you know, to actually see what's going on. Uh and so I don't want to I don't want to fake it. You know, I don't want to ever come on here and be like, Oh, this is what's going. Let me tell you what's happening here. Like when I've been away for nine days. That just that wouldn't feel right to me. Yeah. So um on those rare occasions when uh, when Missy e is not with us uh, and I end up talking a lot about work stuff. <laughs> you all right there? Suppressing another yawn. I think my eyeballs almost popped out on that one. However. That was crazy. You got Marty Feldman eyes for a second. Um, anyway, when we're uh, when when I'm talking to Miss, he's not around, and we end up talking about some work related stuff. 
that's usually why. Yeah. Because I'm just not here to talk about the farm. But I'm glad that you're listening to the podcast. I'm really glad you're totally continuing to attention. watch Interinders <laughs> Cam and Company, right? And, uh, and I promise we'll have uh, Missy on as much as possible. Uh, Bailey writing in uh, says, good evening, Cam. Good evening, Miss E. Good evening, Bailey. Says, I hope this uh, email finds you and your family well. I discovered your podcast about a month and a half ago. And I finally got around to listening to the first few episodes. I'm a huge fan of what you all are doing. Since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to be a farmer or work on a farm. And I seem to have gotten my girlfriend on the bandwagon as well. We have plans to get married and move down to Tennessee or Alabama and start a small farm to raise a family on. You both are such an inspiration to me. The way you interact with each other and the way you relate to the listeners really makes me feel as if I know you personally and I just cannot get enough of it. Whether it's uh, Cam giving an in-depth analysis of his most recent read, much to Miss E's chagrin, uh, or the sounds of baby goats and dog claws <laughs> on the kitchen floor, I find myself hanging on to every word. So keep up the awesome work. God bless and good luck. Sincerely, Bailey. Oh, that's so uh, nice. And Bailey says, I apologize if the email rambled a bit. It's just after midnight, and I'm quite exhausted from babysitting a four-year-old for much of the day. Uh, Bailey, you did not ramble at all. Nope. And uh, and thank Very you. Coherent for dealing with four year olds, by the way. Right. <laughs> I've been around to live with lots of them. <laughs> so glad that you're listening, and uh, and best of luck. Keep us surprised. I would love to hear about your uh, journey and your adventure. And I don't even know where you are right now, Bailey. But uh, sounds like you're not in Alabama or you're not uh, in uh, Tennessee. So Tennessee. best of luck to you. Tennessee's pretty. I know a couple of folks who uh, have, have moved to Tennessee in the last uh, couple of years. Bruce, who. Uh, uh, is another regular listener on Interanews Cam and Company and uh, follows me on Twitter, Bruce Stark. Uh, I think my aunt's sister and her husband moved to Tennessee from Massachusetts. I was like, what? Wow. Yeah. Around here, we get a lot of New Jerseyites like like you. That's weird. Yeah, the pit stop in, in Oklahoma. But uh, it is weird how many people from New Jersey. It's just weird, like really weird. Like yeah. I think I've already told that one story where I was coming out of the doctor's office and I ran into a woman who had a, a Jersey Girl t-shirt and I said, hey, what exit? Because we hate that question. And she looked at me, and she had this surprised look on her face. But not only was she from New Jersey, she, she was from, from the town, town right? that I grew up in. But she left a lot earlier than I did. But I was like, holy cosmos. That's just insane. Uh, and uh, Rob, writing in, uh, says, I just listened to your last podcast. Cam, you are living the life of Riley, if you get that reference. I do. I not not... I know what that means, I should say. I'm not quite sure where it comes from, but I know what it means. World War One. Uh, Rob says, uh, your own farm in Farmville, Virginia, no less. Jumping goats in the kitchen, chickens, pigs, vegetables, a book, a great wife and family, and your own show. The one thing I can say is that you deserve it. Well, thank you for that, Rob. Oh, that's nice. Um, Rob has been with us a long time as well. Rob's out in Southern California. Rob says, uh, I know you work hard. You made sacrifices to get where you are and that you are a good and decent person. Of course, I've not had the pleasure of your company, either sober or well inebriated. I mean, you, says Rob. Uh, but I doubt much would change except a slightly off-center gait as you trundle off to refill your glass. That's generally speaking. Yeah, because yeah, right? you're, you're not actually refilling your glass. You have your one and you're done. Or uh, you have a half a beer. Well, if it's beer, I'm not a huge beer drinker. You, you, you like to think that you're a huge anything drinker, but even at home, you'll have one bourbon. You'll fill up a glass for a second. You'd never even finish. So it's a good thing, though. You're a cheap date. Yeah, I'm fun at parties, though. I drink a little bit more at oh, parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah, parties, yeah. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Um, and I have not had uh, the pleasure of hanging out with you yet, Rob, either. But uh, I hope that that changes one day, my friend. So Rob says, um, I know things are far from perfect. You have enemies. I guess we all do. But in the future, when you look back, these will still be the good old days. Trust me on this, says Rob. Uh, Rob, without a doubt. Um, look, here's the thing. We Yes, you're right. We probably uh, all do have enemies. Um, I honestly, I, I can't let the, uh, uh, the folks who, you know, want to come after me because of what I do and what I say and what I believe, uh, bother me. And I don't, frankly. In fact, I've been meaning to talk about this on Cam and Company, but this is a, a, a good place to, to, uh, talk about it as well. Uh, sorry, Arturo, we're going to be talking more a little bit about uh, some show stuff, but, you know, we did talk about the gunsplaining uh, and Cosmo and every town on the last episode. What's fascinating about this is I've not gotten a single hate tweet 
right? I mean, I not only have I not gotten hate email or you know snippy, com- I have not gotten a snippy comment on fa- on on Twitter. That's pretty amazing. That's like you get that by accident, right? I mean, you get that just by saying hello. Yeah, because people like to respond and they can do it, you know, right? Someone anonymically and act like buttheads. I but I've not seen anything. That's surprising. It really is. Twitter is full of a lot of twits. <clears throat> and, you know, look, I think you can read what I said, and it's pretty clear I'm not victim-blaming or victim-shaming. But, you know, again, on Twitter, people don't always read what people said. They just, you know, oh, I'm supposed to be outraged about this? Oh, we want to be outraged! Rah! Right? Yeah. And that's kind of what happens. Uh, but that didn't happen here, Rob. So I, I don't I don't really know how to explain it, but uh, I'd like to think that, that it means that you know, the attacks like this just aren't having the effect that uh, the anti-gun activists want them to have. You know, look, if you listen to the program, if you listen to our news cam and company, you know, we talk about ideas. We, we don't talk about personalities. It's not about calling somebody evil or stupid or whatever. It's if the conversation is really about public safety, let's talk about public safety. If it's about our right, let's talk about our rights. Um, but I don't think you... First of all, I, I just don't think it serves any purpose to uh, uh, attack people's uh, personality. And I think that's the fact that that is what the anti-gun activists do. Mm-hmm. Again, I just think shows the bankruptcy of their actual argument. Yeah, they're just lazy. And that's that, that, if all they can do is name call and act stupid, then that means that they, yeah, they don't have any, their, their argument doesn't hold any water. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. And, uh, you know, look, I've got... We've got a lot of uh, people who listen to the program um, on a regular basis, and they are just, every time I get a chance to meet them, uh, you all are just the coolest people. So it makes it really easy to to not let the stupid stuff uh, get me down. So thank you for that, Rob, though. I do appreciate it. And on that note, I think you might, I don't know if you can hear any footsteps there on the uh, kitchen floor, but you might be able to hear a snore from a dog or two. Mm Mm-hmm. We are going to uh, wrap things up. The yawning is growing more frequent, and I hope it's not because of the stories that I'm telling. I'm no, I'm just tired. It's been a long day. <laughs> I didn't even get to the book that I'm reading this week. Oh, you're right. Oh, Sorry. my gosh. It's so good, but maybe I'll save that for next week. Save it for next week, because if you keep talking about the books that you're currently reading, I told you, somebody's going to put you on a list, and we're going to be on like some weird watchdog thing. And I, Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tease uh, this discussion for next week because I figured out, like, if I were a college professor mm. or if I were recommending a course in the history department that is not taught, because you know, now we have all of these like blank studies, right? Yeah, independent studies. Well, or, or like, you know, women's studies, men's studies, right? Blank, uh, blank when, studies. Yeah, okay. So here would be my specialty. Here's what I think we need mm. we need defector studies. <laughs> We need a course on people who defected from communist countries and came to either the United States or Western Europe because they left a body of literature behind. And I would do an entire semester on uh, who these people were and talk about uh, some of the books that they wrote and assign some of the books that they wrote. Because that's what I've been reading about. And it's fascinating. It's so Flippin' well, fascinating. Not, you've not just been reading about the defectors, though. You've been reading about communist Soviet Russia. Usually the people who leave it. And the what I've been reading about really is communism in the United States. From the Russians. Well, it was always directed by the Russians. That was the part of the problem with right. the Soviet Union is that, you know, the common turn, and, and especially, you know, during the Stalin era, uh, is that it was all directed. There was no independent Communist Party. It was all directed by the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I've been reading a lot about that from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And, uh, again, just some... some. It's a fascinating time period, but there are some incredibly brave individuals who we have absolutely no idea who these people were no. uh, anymore. And at, at all. I'm sorry. Half the people, most of the people that you mentioned, I'm like... I never read about him in my history book, and you know I was I was born in the in '65, so you would have thought that some of that Cold War crap would have come through in history, but no. No, I mean part of it was you know the uh, McCarthyism, mm. just 
you know, made it you so you don't talk about mm. this, right? Or if you talk about it, you only talk about it in terms of, well, McCarthy was, you know, looking for communists under the uh, seat cushions and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it, which makes it very easy to dismiss, A, the people who really were spying for the Soviet Union, uh, and, and B, those who, again, those who left the Soviet Union and those who put down why they left the Soviet Union on paper. Uh, and again, they're just some amazing individuals. So I've been reading some of those books. So we'll talk about that uh, on next week's program. And and you will not yawn. I might I actually be you. here. Or I might talk about my family. That, <laughs> that can get edited out again. <laughs> By the Soviet censors. <laughs> the, so the censors got right. to my... Uh, yeah, All right. Thing, well, that, that. listen, until we meet again, thank you so much for joining us here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Be safe. Have fun. Live a little. Learn a lot. And we'll see you here soon. And eat more bacon. Always eat more bacon. Yep. All right, we'll see you here soon on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.